Um, right, okay, that's recording. So basically, hello, my name is James Sinfield and I'm speaking to um, Simon Anthony, that's correct. So we're just going to have a, due to COVID-19 and things like that, we've got to have a discussion over Zoom. So basically, I'm just going to be picking Simon's brains for roughly about half an hour on certain subjects to do with masterclasses, Bark and Handel, Chopin and List and other random um, ideas that may kind of um, <laughs> are fancy. So I will start first. I mean, my background, just to introduce myself briefly, I graduated from the University of Surrey um, 2011 with um, honours degree in music, straight music, um, mostly specialising in performance, composition and 19th century studies. So my area towards 20th century is kind of a bit more vague because I'm not really that much passionate about it. So, and Simon, anything about yourself? Well, um, my uh, only sort of musical uh, um, <laughs> talents are involved standing at proms concerts for protracted periods of time. <laughs> and unfortunately, I couldn't do it at all this season, which was uh, most, most distressing. But I've been to well over 500 concerts the vast majority of them uh, are promenade concerts at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, I started promming in 1974, I think, uh, three actually, but I had my first season ticket in 1975. So right. I've seen and heard quite a large number of people. I think the last concert I went to must have been at least December last year. I mean, I think it must have been Wigmore Hall. I think, I don't know if it was Stephen Isolis managed to get through the whole six, cello, well, three cello suites, I can't remember which one. Yeah, but very enjoyable. It's just such a shame we can't really get back into it now. It's all kind of problematic. It's really horrible to be in the arts. So what I want to start with first, I mean, I've got a lot to say about this. I don't know your opinion. Um, the masterclass, the masterclass, the classical, the classical <laughs> masterclass, whether it's violin, piano, vocal, doesn't really matter. Have you ever seen any? What, have you ever seen any on YouTube or... I, I have seen um, uh, several. Uh, one that uh, springs to mind was uh, um, uh, the cellist. Um, it springs so well, I can't remember his name. Uh, a great cellist uh, is, is uh, son as a conductor. Um, Wasn't Julian Lloyd Webber? No, no, no. A no generation not... before that. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. That could have been. Yes. Is it a man or a woman? Oh, it's a very man. Yes. Oh, okay. As as is his son. Okay. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, but uh, anyway, this this uh, superb cellist um, had uh, just a calming influence over his uh, a group of proteges, um, and the uh, the the effect was not so much a. Um, uh, think of a, a, a another another uh, great. Uh, uh, musician uh, doing masterclass, uh, Leonard Bernstein, whose name I can remember. Um, <laughs> they, uh, the the amount of musical information they managed to put over to their their, their listening students was almost immaterial compared to the emotional uh, impact of actually being with the artist. Um, it's uh, certainly that there were certain sort of uh, in individual uh, hints and tips which uh, these uh, the, the, these masters of the, of the art uh, managed to pass on to to individual uh, musicians. But the ability to listen, uh, the um, uh, the art of listening, which is the only thing I can do, 
is uh, is, is is something that has to be um, um, recognized. It's, it's something that has to be learned, and it, it builds over the over the over the decades. Uh, it it, uh, it it never really stops. But I, I think I think if it did stop, you'd be losing out on on on, on a great deal of uh, um, the quality of life. But being able to um, instill in a large group of probably very young uh, people um, the, uh, a, a, the 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 nuance of the appreciation of music from the point of view of somebody who's been at it for decades. Uh, had more of an impact in general terms than the specifics of the, uh, the, the the playing of the individual instrument, to my mind. I mean, I think that's that's a skill which people don't actually necessarily possess. Actually, actually, people don't realize actually how to listen to music. It's actually a skill that it takes. I mean, these days, I mean, people aren't really into classical music because it requires so much actual listening to all the different textures and the overlapping of the instruments. I mean, now if you, people listen to I don't know, maybe a Beatles song, they just listen to the lyrics, but they kind of almost just detract from actually what's going on in the background. And Daniel Barenboim um, spoke at length about literally how hard it is to actually really listen to music, which is why people can't sit through a whole Beethoven symphony. They, they'll know the first movement of Symphony Number no. 5 or the first <laughs> movement of the Euro. No one, ever, no one ever remembers the fourth movement or the third movement. It's always kind of gets swept under the rug. Um, I, I well, stood through Baron Boehm's uh, entire ring cycle. Oh, <laughs> at, at oh, the as, that came to mixed, That came to uh, mixed <laughs> reviews. I mean, I, on my opinion on the masterclass, I mean, I'm not going to say any kind of. Um, I'm not going to mention any names if it's in a negative context because I've got to be careful. Um, I will say exactly where he's from. He's a Hungarian pianist, and I compare to compare his masterclasses to Baron Boehm. And like Baron Boyd was giving masterclasses like likes of Lang Lang and Lang Lang gives masterclasses. But there's so much when Baron Boyd gives the masterclass, it's he doesn't tell you how to play the piano. He gives it a more um like breaking down a narrative and such like that, especially on the 32 piano sonatas of Beethoven, which he's given um lots of some really all length on YouTube. But a fam a famous Hungarian um pianist, um, I've watched his masterclasses and I've put numerous comments on YouTube and I'm actually I find it so sickening because he'll listen and he'll say something at least like the Royal College um take a place at the Royal College of Music and he'll say play this but he'll say play it like the wind or something really really vague and the student will oh. play it absolutely fine and he'll play it again it sounds exactly the same but he'll say oh well done well done and it's just really kind of almost kind of just with, with a with a musician you have to have your own personality it's almost like he wants you to play it his way, which is, I just, I can't stand watching it. I've seen it and I just look, I think to myself, you're an absolute, well, he's got a knighthood. He's he's a brilliant pianist, excellent right. bark interpreter. But when it comes to his masterclasses, I just, oh. It's sort I, of patronizing rather than- Almost, like, yes. I think patronizing yeah. comes across. Yes, like, uh, I, I, I think I've seen uh, a, a bit of that. Uh, that's just before I turn off. Um, both mentally and physically. <laughs> no, no I, 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 I agree with that. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's true in quite a number of uh, diff different ways. Um, the, um, the, that story has been told in um, quite a number of different circumstances where um, uh, uh, pieces have been just simply repeated electronically exactly mm. the same way. But because the listener 
is in a different frame of mind or is concentrating in a different way or picking up different aspects, they will hear the work differently. So it could well be that the master giving the class was actually learning himself. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I just, I just contest the validity. It's almost like the piano competition, like oh, it's been well, running for yeah, so the it's competitions. Just, yes, <laughs> I play Bach in a piano competition. I mean, it's just basically the judges. Basically, I mean, I've been criticised. Um, and my piano teacher, my professor, was sitting in my recital. I got like a not a very good, and it was my best performance. And she, what they said, she criticised. I said that doesn't make. I, I was criticised of taking the dynamics too literally, but. It didn't really Too kind literary. of yes. If it says F F F or whose point of view exactly it's, under it's just, what circumstances? It's so subjective. It's unbelievable. And I find pianists and violinists and acoustic instrumentalists compared to singers. Singers tend to have, especially if you're not a classical trained singer, if you're like a um, theatrical singer, the amount of preparation and the work that goes into the technical side, it's just so much less than what a pianist has to kind of go through and torture themselves. At the hours for hours and hours at the, at the piano, it's just such well, a um... very yes. It, it's uh, there's the, the the patronizing aspect again, and and, and your your point of view of uh, uh, just the, the the leader wishing everybody else to play it their way. Um, when the conductor of an orchestra wishes an orchestra to play their way, that is an entirely valid thing to do. That's absolutely fine. Uh, um, but uh, say a, 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 a soloist in in a piano concerto, uh, trying trying to lord it over an orchestra and and the conductor, um, that's not going to work. You're not going to get the uh, you're not going to get. Uh, well, the audience will pick up on the fact that there's a tension between rather than a tension with. <laughs> Uh, the, the the musicians and the, the the symbiosis of a performance just won't occur. Um, it's uh, it's you you've got to be with the music rather than against it. I think um, a performance has to be well. There's two ways of handling it. You can either play it the way you would like it to have been composed, or play it the way you believe the composer wished it to be played yeah i think there's a famous uh, quote that composers are the worst interpreters that are in music and i've listened to Rachmaninoff <laughs> perform his hungarian rhapsody and i thought that's actually not very good i mean he's i'm not he's an amazing pianist they so had but i thought i actually don't like the way he's playing that so and it's his own piece uh, just uh, why is that because that was not what you were expecting uh, uh and of course it takes a very great deal of uh, uh I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure what term you could possibly use to, to d describe an ability to change your attitude to the appreciation of a piece of music. Uh, if, you, if you know a work extremely well, and then somebody plays it in a perfectly valid way, but differently, sort of half the speed, how can you get out of that frame of mind of your expectation of the work to appreciate the qualities which uh, this other performance is intended to show up? I, I mean, for example, Beethoven's uh, metronome markings. Oh, yeah, I was actually... Right? We're not sure. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. I mean, it, it's unlikely that, um, that the metronome was faulty. And... You know, he, he could he could see it. He could feel the the the, the vibrations of the thing, and and 
you know, it was a brand new instrument. He would have made some point about it, wouldn't he? I think there's no chance it was faulty. It's an issue why I steer clear of his music because I mean, there's a, I think one of the pieces, the Moonlight Sonata, as everyone calls it, the Moonlight, it's Sonata in C sharp minor number fourteen. It's one of the most widely misinterpreted pieces of music because apparently his metronome marking was to have the pedal down the whole way through. But of course, in a modern piano, you can't do that. Otherwise, it will just be... So you have to kind of do half and third. And also, it's played way too slow. It, it's in brief time, so it's, you count two in a bar, but people play it really like It takes about five minutes to get to it. It's just... It's just there's two arguments. Is it this or is it that? You can only go with what, what he writes on the page, but it's a different instrument. I mean, the pianos he went through had a knee pedal at one point, well, which correct. I would... Is the uh, uh, the way that that I uh, approach a piece of music, say uh, a new piece I I haven't heard, or a, a performance that uh, of a work that I don't know particularly well, if I find myself not enjoying the music, I start listening to the the composition and try to see well why did the composer do that there what is the point of this passage um should there have been a pause here or there um and I, I can i can get myself quite upset sometimes thinking i mean you missed opportunities um and then i can come across a composer a conductor who will perform a work the way i wasn't expecting but the way i would have done if i'd spent absolutely ages concentrating on it and that was Simon Rattle at uh, Festival Hall, actually. Rattle. Uh, with um, with um, um, Symphonie Fantastique. Uh, I, was, I was just ah. astonished. In fact, just that, astonished. that brings me on to, I'm not, I'm not going to go in any chronological order, but I wanted to move on to Chopin and Liszt. And obviously, Chopin didn't like Liszt music and everyone loves Chopin's music. I'm just considering, I mean, how is he, is he overrated? Is he too overplayed? Because he never very wrote, met much orchestral music apart from two piano concertos and a cello, a couple of cello sonatas, but he just, was he incapable of writing for the orchestra or was he just, was he just didn't live long enough, look, did, did he not live long enough to really kind of realise his genius? Is one uh, death is always rather a damper on composition, I find. But, uh, um, and I hope that remains the case. I don't want artificial intelligence to take over oh, and God. play in the style of... Oh. Um, I, I, I'm sure it shall happen. I've, I've, I've heard works uh, that happen along those lines. Um, uh, I could go off on quite a number of tangents at this point, but uh, uh, the point you're saying is that there was Chopin list. Um, I, you can only compose, you can only create something if you are in the right frame of mind. And if you're not, it's not going to happen. Try as you might, it's not going to work. Um, it just could be that that was the, the, the state um, uh, the relevant composers were in and you can't expect anything else. Um, the, the, it, 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 it is said that uh, um, uh, creation comes from without and it is transferred via the, 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 the composer. Um, yeah. um, I think that the, the conduit, the composer, if indeed it, it is an otherworldly source, uh, has a vast impact on 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 the on the work and 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 their their, their personality, their their uh, um, abilities uh, at that instant. At that instant, are um, uh, 
is essential to the understanding of the piece, uh, the, 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 the structure of the work. Um, so many times pieces are completely rewritten. Quite often I find the original is preferable to me. Hmm. I mean, funny thing, it's Chopin and Liszt, two different, completely different sound worlds. I always, <laughs> I'm not saying one's harder because they're both difficult, but I just find that Chopin is just competitive because he, he had a very colourful life. He kind of was a right, um, quite a philandra in his younger years and kind of turns the... Um, You're talking Liszt, I yes. presume. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, Chopin, he was um, dated, I, I don't what, call it dating, he was with George Sand, um, a very... <laughs> Unfortunately, she's not as well known as she should be, but a very um, woman smoking cigars in the 19th century, very um, unlike him. But George, exactly. But I don't, I don't know what her, um, I don't know if that was her pseudonym or what her. I can't remember. She she had a pseudonym, but I can't remember quite what it was. If that was her, what her actual real name was. I'm not great on history at all, unfortunately. Problem is, obviously, you got that whole year of 1810, which Chopin was born in 1810, Liszt was in 1811, Mendelssohn 1809, and Schumann, I think, was 1810. That big, massive year. There's also another composer, roughly in the same era. I don't know if you've heard of him, Charles Valentin Alkin. Alka. Um, Al- ah, why? Yeah. Why? What is it about? I've heard. I've played about one of his pieces of music um extremely difficult list even said that he had a better technique technique than him so what is it about him that why is he faded into obscurity or relative obscurity because i just don't know what 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 is it about him because his music's worth i mean um marco Hamlin, who's a super virtuoso plays his music all the time he just says i cannot understand why this man is just not being played i just don't I... what is it uh, I, I fear it's a chicken and egg situation. If you don't have the audience, you're not going to uh, get the performances. Um, I would hope that a, uh, a, a side effect of the internet is that uh, lesser known com- composers and compositions uh, will be uh, able to be picked up uh, with, with, uh, a, 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 and, and performed at vastly lower costs than it would take to... Uh, to have to fill a hall, and maybe they will be discovered. As much as I like Rachmaninoff's piano concertos, I'd like to hear some else, <laughs> because there's someone that's Charles Litoff, Henry Charles Litoff was um, written up like the same year, his piano concerto, um, Simply Fantastique, or Concerto Fantastique, absolutely fantastic. I and all he gets the scherzo. Yeah. Yeah, yes, that's what it is, the scherzo, <laughs> yeah, number four. So, so, obviously, you, yeah, so you know about that. So I just don't understand how some of these composers just, as you know, Bach, if it wasn't for Mendelssohn to revive Bach, he wouldn't be played. Schubert, obviously, um, didn't really get discovered till later. I'm just really just, like you say, probably just a, sometimes it's um, bad luck because you had pianists like um, Korkbrenner and Kierkommer Meyerbeer and these people that just survive off a... Uh, select few works but it's just that kind of era how certain composers just fall by the wayside i just don't well i i i had uh, considerable trouble with mozart myself um Actually, oh, got a lot to say on that um but I, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's one of he's probably one of the most overrated composers in history um, i thought that i thought past tense that if i specifically quite a long time it's the piano sonatas. If you compare Haydn's piano sonatas to Mozart's, there's no comparison. Mozart's piano sonatas, I've learned so many of them. It's all very, um, there's, apart from a few of them, there's not, yes, there's just not much advent- harmonically adventurous. And 
and it's always the Alberto bass all the time falling back <laughs> into the same. And I, yeah. I mean, I've got my highest mark for writing a, my own version of a piano sonata in Mozart style, but it's just so easy to do. And I've played mean, that, with Alberto. Yeah. Yes, it's just, I just don't understand where the, um, fascination comes from really i mean I, I don't know that the the his, his piano works particularly well uh, my my experiences with his orchestral works and um it was always played in the same way stodgy uh, mechanical um sort of authoritarian almost and um, there i was you know in in, in my uh, uh, mid to late teens standing you know it's you know it takes a bit of effort you know, at, at the proms and i thought this is just it just goes on i'm not interested i'll forget about it and then um, there was a a a, a work uh, um uh, mozart wind wind, uh, wind uh, 30 wind instruments um and I decided I was going to go to the back of the hall, which is you know, the, the the dead space where you go to sleep and <laughs> the rest of the hall carries on. But um, normally I'm, I'm front row dead middle if I can get there. Um, but this was just before the original instrument uh, um, phase craze hit. But the clarity of those wind instrumentalists even managed to make it to the back of the hall, and I was I was I was I was completely turned around when I could hear the 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 um, the, 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 the raw intelligence, the, the musicality, the, the the brilliance of the composition, not being obscured by the familiarity of the players, and the the original instrument. Uh, um, phase <laughs> revolution improved that clarity for the full orchestral works completely. It just, it, it just i mean for people who don't really know much about the violin obviously um the authentic instruments the strings were almost com compared to now they're more of a curved yeah. shape i don't know yeah. how they managed to do double stopping with it was almost <laughs> almost flat i mean spaces look at a, a a bark partita violin partita <laughs> it's just how you got it and of course the cellist being Having the cello without the spike, I've I've actually watched a at the Whitmore Hall a, a cellist perform a couple of bark cello suites without the spike. You must have thighs wow. of spike list. It's just yes. unbelievable. But yeah, it's all the performance practice that people like to. Um, I mean, I've got criticised once for playing bark um, too heavily because if I was playing a harpsichord, I'd end up breaking it. But <laughs> that's the problem with bark. I mean, there's so many of his um, fugues. Some go in an organ, some work on a piano, some don't work on a piano at all. It's especially the one um, you probably might be familiar with the first C major prelude of book two. It's basically a held octave in C, two Cs, held for like four bars, which you physically can't do on a piano because the sound will decay. On an organ, you can because it, as you know, it maintains. Yeah, proof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, on the subject, I do want to actually move on to Bach and Handel because yeah. that's quite interesting. Two prominent composers of 1685 oh, never met. Sorry, yeah. uh, it's, uh, I uh, pause for a moment. Hello there. Hello. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, I'm I'm busy at the moment. Could you call back in about an hour? Thank you very much indeed. Much appreciated. Thank you. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> Sorry. 
I shall work. I shall try my editing skills to see if I can work (laughs) a way around that. Quite new to Zoom. Um, Yeah. So Bark and Handle, sixteen eighty five. Never met. Which is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, do you know why? I mean, I know that Bark. um, Very bad public transport. But mind you, Bark did walk about. I don't know how many miles to go see books to Hida, books to books to Hida, Huda, books to Huda. Watch his organ recital. It's just yes, well, yes. And so the stories go. Yes. I mean, are you, yeah. prob- are, are you familiar with someone called John Taylor? No. Right. So basically, he was an eye surgeon, and he basically blinded both Bark and Handel because he was a because obviously oh. back then you could. You know, you know, you know, people go to towns and they kind of tout their business of being a miracle cure and perform uh-huh. on people and then just disappear, not to be found again. Yeah, he apparently blinded both Bark and Handel. Um, I think which one went first, and why did the second one believe the um, first? It's interesting. You think word would go around, wouldn't you? I think Bark. Would, yes. I think Handel outlived Bark by nine years. Was it nine years? Seventeen fifty, and then Handel in seventeen fifty nine. Both the same eye surgeon, um, Chevalier John Taylor. Um, it's all kind of really um, obscure, very primitive kind of eye surgery, which was basically literally scraping the cataracts off the eye. And it's just, yeah. That and, wouldn't work particularly well. Yeah, so that didn't. Yes. So actually, who is the, well, interesting enough, who is the better composer? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was, define better uh, today well, and then define better tomorrow and is that the same as what you thought um, well I mean <laughs> to be honest with you I mean I don't think Candle gets as much exposure I mean all that's really performed of his is his messiah uh, some of his oratorios but Bach's just is just and the thing is he wasn't really known in his time it's it, true. I mean, there's, uh, there's uh, the, the the amount of Bach. I mean, he he, he wrote something just about every day. Bach, uh, extraordinary. But he also got paid for it. Um, he didn't have to do anything else. He never had to worry about anything else. I'm 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 um, I'm, I'm unsure of uh, Handel's uh, uh, <laughs> social background support system. Um, but I wouldn't have thought it could any be anywhere near as good as Bach. <laughs> He's a lucky bloke. It may be because Handel was actually notably, as well as Rossini, um, very very good at plagiarising his own music. Just because <laughs> obviously Rossini churned out like um, operas in days. He just took a score and just thought, let's just rewrite this. And I mean, um, oh, what is his the name? Science and, in everything. Yes. Did I say Antonio Vivaldi was just like that? What well, did he write the same violin concerto like three hundred times? <laughs> So, well, people could and do say the similar things about Bach, saying that he's just sort of mathematically turning the handle, and out it comes. Um, I, I, I think they suffer from an um, uh, an inability to really hear. They, 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 they may have their ears open, maybe paying attention in that direction, but haven't worked out why the music is doing what it's doing, yeah. and um, I. Uh, have you have you seen the uh, the YouTube um, videos uh, where the uh, all the notes are displayed uh, as yes. sort of moving dots all over? Yes, the yes. I think those are very nice. I like them. Sometimes the actual performance isn't particularly good, but the um, the, the, the it, it helps concentrate the mind on the parts, and you can see the interaction, interrelationship between them, and you can see something coming. 
uh, which is rather fun. It's even better. Fugue because the fugue you've got the subject and it points it out. Oh, here's because it starts yeah. in a soprano, then it moves down. You sometimes yep. you don't really hear it, and even when you when you think, and how hard it is to write a fugue now. I mean, it would be absolutely really that you'd be considered very very talented. But back then, it probably was just that's the way people wrote music. Now we've got discords, all these different hum. There's no well, there's no rules. I mean, this is kind well, of, it's, um, it's not obligatory to be discordant. I mean, uh, it, I think it would be nice <laughs> if, if you managed to to move away from uh, uh, the problem is writing that, right. Yeah. Well, start writing a classical sonata or a symphony in the classical style, it just takes too long to do. So when I was at university, I was the only one that wrote in a romantic. So it took me weeks, months. Someone, some other, my colleagues were just churning out this avant-garde music. But I think if you're going to write, be a good composer, learn how to write something in a small form. And then show you've got some knowledge of how to construct a, a symphony or a string quartet. And then it's just it just seemed like a cop out. It just write something really learn, crazy learn and the, get the best the marks. Like, oh. like Picasso could could paint in any style at all. And then he invented his own. Well, I mean, who was that um, inkblot? I can't remember his name now. Um, Jackson Pollock. And I've watched, I've looked at his art in the Whitechapel Gallery. I mean, come on. I mean, it's art for the sake of being art. There's no, doesn't seem like there's any skill anymore. Uh, well, yes, uh, Tracy Emin's skill is brilliant in terms of selling her work. Now, that is something that has to be admired. The bed, not so much. Charles Sarchi and, and, bought that. Uh, uh, well, yes, but not because he liked it in any way, and um, I have no 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 time for uh, that attitude with uh, art or music or any anything at all. But, uh, right. What's <laughs> your? How far are you with knowledge of like twenty first century? Not the twenty first, twentieth century, like roundabout the Bussy <laughs> and Ravel era. Well, if it's performed at the proms or put on Radio 3, what's, yeah, okay. there's a good chance I'd hear it. <laughs> okay, what's your opinion on the avant-garde movement and Impressionism and also even better, um, neoclassicism, which is one of my favourites, that Prokofiev um, dipped into um, with his classical symphony, which is actually really yes, nice. it's beautiful work, yes. But, um, um... Uh, sorry, I'm just, just shoot, shoot, shooting off from the various other, other thoughts. So you're talking, talking about uh, that minimalism is, 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 is something that uh, uh, appeals to me a great deal. Um, um, uh, Philip Glass, Michael Nyman um, Eric, type Eric, of performance. Eric Sarty? Well, I would I wouldn't call him minimalist in that respect. He doesn't have the same sort of uh, repetition. But I'd very much like uh, Gilnopoly and uh, the the other pieces in the form of the bear. But, uh, Not the vexations. Um, you heard of vex uh, six hundred forty oh, times it has to be played. I must admit that has slipped my mind. <laughs> yes, he he wrote some crazy works. Um, uh, oh, there was uh, one composer that I was. It's just basically it's completely eluded me now. It was. Uh, wasn't a composer. No, oh. actually, it was a composer, and I would like your opinion. And I'll, I'll, I'll try and to he get is he's a, a minimalist performer composer. Yes. He goes by the name of I don't. I'll say his name, Ludovico Einaudi, if I've pronounced that correctly. I have not heard oh, that okay. pronunciation. Oh, okay. I'm not sure how to say. I, that. Don't, I don't know. I've, I've not heard. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he's just a, he's a famous Italian. He's won so many awards, and his music is. Um, 
minimalist in the style where it's just um if you know what a broken chord is as i'm sure you probably do it's just basically very 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 simple i mean i once performed a piece for my friend who was absolutely obsessed with um the composer and he said oh what was the name of that i said i don't know i just made it up <laughs> it's just basically improvisatory feel it's just it, I thought, well if you don't know that's fine because i just would i you know, i don't know but uh, improvisation i mean children's improvisation when they're learning the piano uh, I have uh, very fond memories of my son, uh, who's not uh, a, a musician of, of any sort now, but as as a five, six, seven-year-old, he used to sit at our piano and just play sounds that he liked. And when he heard something he liked, he would do something that he felt might, with luck, go near it. And if it didn't, he'd do something with, with luck would go with that. And sometimes it flowed. That is musicianship mm. and, you can, and, and musicality. It's uh, incredibly important to have that musicianship and musicality. Yo-Yo Ma came to the proms when he first came and he was absolutely superb technician not a note out of place but none of the notes meant anything right but now oh yes yeah now, oh tremendous but that difference that 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 that, that you, you've got to have the second half of that built on the first half, as I, I sort of hinted with the Picasso um, uh, comment, that um, uh, you've got to know your stuff, but you've got to have the feeling for the stuff. Um, you've got to be able to pick up the reason for the music, to be able to feel something deeply enough, to be able to say it somehow in whatever way you are capable of doing so. And, uh, that's interesting you say that actually because I find I hope it might be <laughs> find the pianists of the 1940s, 1940s, like the middle part of the 20th century, like people like Vladimir Horowitz, his yep. performance were I mean he makes so many mistakes. Arthur Schnabel, oh. um, Alfred Cortot, they made so many mistakes. Now it's yep. just complete mechanical competition winning, yes. solid performance. I remember watching a masterclass and I can't remember who actually held it, and a student was asked. What does this mean? And it was an Italian term, which a grade two piano student would know, or a violin student. Vive. Mm -hmm. they, did, they didn't know what it meant. Oh. Just, I was, okay. it means lively. A vivace, vive, vivace. Oh, was actually, she, the, the master class, whoever was really kind of shocked because it's just, it's just notes on a page. Just, there's no, it's just pure skill and no, no substance. Which you get. I was I was I was at a prom once. I was at a prom many times. One of the proms I was at, Emil Gillels, towards the end of his uh, performing career, um, was uh, going to play um, a Greek piano concerto, and he was obviously terrified. His hands were shaking so much that his little finger actually played a note before. The, the 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 music started but the musicality yeah. was absolutely superb and nobody cared nobody gave a damn 
I was at a performance I, in the last performance Horowitz gave the the, the, the the festival hall. He got lost, yeah. completely forgot the music. The entire audience, I was at the back of the hall. The entire audience rocked forwards in in beat with the missing notes until he got back on. The applause at the end of that was earth shattering. I mean. I, it doesn't matter. It's the musicality. People seem to realise that they listen to a performance and they think, oh, that was absolutely brilliant, perfect. And Baron Boyd comes out and says, I've never played Note Perfect ever in my career. Of course not. Never. You can't do it. It cannot be done. No, no. I, there is no perfection. It's just being able to, because the rookie mistake is when you play something and you stop and you repeat it, but you need to kind of, as a musician, you eventually get out. Or through practice, you just, really, okay, you've messed, messed up. Don't stop, just keep going, even improvise. I mean, oh, the amount of mistakes I've made. I mean, oh, it's, yes. it's horrible, especially when you've got that horrible, horrible passage. That's why Rachmaninoff, when he wrote his um, piano concerto, he he almost like added little warm-ups. So while the orchestra was blaring, he had loads of fast notes to play, and he was probably all wrong. Right? No one could really hear, because <laughs> he was a very known for stage fright. And that's something which people just can never really um, deal with Some with it better than others it is practice but some just cannot perform i've known people who are professional well not professional musicians very good amateur musicians that just don't they quit the instrument because they do it there's no point me playing this instrument because i can't perform i just cannot do it it's just a, quite a shame there's uh i used to work for the bbc and um as a videotape operator engineer and uh, these have been the days when the, nationwide would occasionally have a, uh, a, a classical piece in. And Robert Teer was brought in to, to uh, sing a, a, a piece, and it was my job to record it. Uh, no physical uh, <laughs> proximity whatsoever. The first performance was fine, wonderful, you know, great. It was live, it was spontaneous, it was everything. The director said, very nice, lovely, lovely, lovely. Could you just do it one more time for us, please? And Robert Cheer looked, there was nothing wrong with that. All right. And he did it again and put a little bit of something else into it. It was, it, it, it had, uh, you know, it, it was different. It didn't have the same vivacity. It had a bit more weight to it. But the director one one more time do 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 think please could could you and uh, he he uh, grudgingly shall we say gave a third performance of the work which was of course complete rubbish because he was making it clear this is not what is going to happen the the the, the reasons for a piece of music and uh, the, the the performing conditions, the uh, the relevance of my comment to the previous piece is now somewhat foggy, but it it's it, it sparked that recollection in 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 my mind the 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 importance of um, the the love of the work, the love of the circumstances, um, uh, an understanding of, of why you're doing it. Um, uh, I, as I said, I can't quite remember what sparked that, but that thought I, I really wanted to say that because it's been bugging me for centuries. 
actually similar story i mean um probably before this zoom cuts out the dread 40 minutes i'll just end uh-huh. obviously i think what happens is in that situation editors don't really understand what the musician has to do and i know that because i had i did some recording work and i had to play scribbins etched in d sharp minor probably about 30 times and if you're familiar with that piece oh, about 30 times and this was at the early hours of the morning and i thought no do you actually understand how hard this i was absolutely exhausted so yeah i think there needs to be a bit more empathy on the part of the but before it cuts out abruptly i shall thank you for your time um thank you for the opportunity and no no problem it's been a pleasure talking to you um i'm james sinfield and thank you Simon anthony and good evening good afternoon and good night and may i say you can have a listen to my cunning other things by listening to my podcast torty talks available on all good outlets i thank you Bye. <laughs>